Hello and welcome. I'm so grateful you're here. I'm your host, Meg Berryman, and this is the Beyond Being Well podcast. Here at the show, we are passionate about helping you. Helping you build deep relationships with yourself, the earth, and others. Helping you foster a deep, embodied sense of well-being and empowerment. Helping you slow down, work sustainably, and consume mindfully. And helping you create social change from the inside out. So settle in, get cosy, and let's get straight on with the episode. Hello and welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining me again. I wonder how 2020 is feeling for you. I wonder what's going on. Sending you heaps of love and warmth wherever you find yourself today listening to this. I am thankfully just adoring the cooler weather here in central Victoria. Um, After what was such an epically hot and disastrous entry into the new year I'm really reveling in the wind and the rain and just allowing those elements to soothe I guess those parts of me which um, really needed soothing and I'm really enjoying it and I'm and I'm so looking forward to this year I just welcomed the most epic bunch of women into the lead her program so excited about sharing with you all the things coming your way in 2020 But this episode is a game changer for anyone that's in business, anyone that's doing personal development work. In fact, all of you, it is a game changer because I've got the wonderful Cameron and Naomi on the call today and they're sharing all about feminist theory, feminist coaching theory, just more broadly how to use feminist analysis in your life and your personal development work Um, and I know you're just going to get so much out of it. So Cameron and Naomi run the Developing Coach Collective, they're the founders of that and now Feminist Business Academy. They're each individually stellar coaches um, and entrepreneurs that I admire deeply And I don't have much more to say other than I adored this call. I loved connecting with them. It was a true meeting of minds and it was really just such a beautiful way to um, have some of, I guess, the things that I've never been able to put a name or framework to described with such beautiful simplicity, but also with nuance. So here is my chat with Cam and Naomi. Cameron and Naomi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> it's such a pleasure um, to be having this conversation because I've stalked you both for a while. And um, whenever you see another business owner talking about feminism, it's a bit of a but heart leap moment and so I was really excited to come across your work Um, and I'm super thrilled to see what comes through but I wanted to ask the question that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast so um, perhaps starting with Cam uh, what is the change that you want to see in the world and how are you currently playing with contributing to that Mm. I want to see so many changes in the world, but um, yeah, I want to see I want to see a more gender free world, a world where people can people can be their whole selves and they're not conditioned to fit into a certain box that's arbitrary and um and this goes for all boxes and i want to live in an anti-racist world and i want to live in a world that works you know better for everyone i just i mean i think that you know that's not going to happen perfectly but um I think change is slow and that's just life. Um, But that's, 
that's what I'm here for. And my work, I am super passionate about helping people have a more feminist lens in their work and in their lives and just with themselves and just feel more confident and just really live more of the life that they want and be more of themselves. Mm. I can say so much more. I'll stop there. Yeah, I love it. Thank you for sharing. And Naomi, what about you? I think I could simply start by saying a big ditto (laughs) exactly (laughs) what Cam just said and I think kind of piggybacking off that little bit is to also see a world where people can seek support from coaches and helping professionals and therapists and all of those I guess, service-based folk where they are truly seen and heard and acknowledged and where those people do have that feminist and social awareness and analysis and ability to be able to support them and expand their options and I guess, be there for them as they move toward what it is that they want in life rather than what we've been conditioned or told we can want. Mm. Mm. I love that too because I think like as I've done this work and you kind of, the the more your own personal development work expands to include and understand the systemic oppression, um, the more inclusive your spaces can become if you're willing as a practitioner to be able to go there and reclaim and unlearn and do all of those things that we need to do and so I love to think about a world where practitioners have that lens built on kind of deep self-responsibility and awareness and, and having done that work themselves knowing that doing that kind of we're all individually taking responsibility for that world rather than um yeah waiting for someone to save us <laughs> I guess is yeah what yeah no one's here to save you so yeah exactly mm. so I, I'm curious because I think a big part of the paradigm shift um that I'm really curious about and I know you you two are as well is uh the shift away from kind of competition and um individualism and all of those beautiful ways that we've been taught to relate and so I'm I'm curious about your two love story and like how you came to work together and and create co-create together and if if either or both of you would be willing to share how that came about because I think that that is part of the new paradigm of leadership is is being able to work and leverage each other's strengths and and co-create in a, in a curious way, in a vulnerable way. I love that question and I love how you framed it as love story. Yeah, <laughs> me too, really yeah. Apt, yeah. <laughs> Where do we start, Cam? It's mm-hmm. quite, quite a story, even though it's a couple of years long, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Naomi found me first. Yeah. How did that happen? I don't know, but I think we had a group in common. Right. So it was through an online group where we where I first came across Cam's work. And yeah, I think it might have started by me following your blog and podcasts and I did some one-on-one coaching with you, didn't I, on off yes. on different topics related to feminism and social awareness of course yes then I think our worlds just started crossing over more hey yeah we became friends yeah and then I joined Nay's gentle business mastermind last year and so we kind of became each other's mentors and friends which was really cool like both um, you know, getting services from each other and then also just like developing a friendship. Mm-hmm. Naomi is 
but super supportive of me and my work right from the beginning. It was just amazingly supportive. I mean, she's super generous and supportive and, you know, people see that, you know, and, and I really felt that. And, you know, when people like pay attention to those people and mm-hmm. in your life, you know, that keep showing up and supporting you. Um, I mean, if there, if you have an intuition that says no, you know, then maybe don't, but if it's like, yeah, this person is awesome and they're, they're kind and they're wonderful and they keep showing up and they keep supporting, like pay attention to that, you know? And I did, I paid attention to it and I'm so glad I did because I leaned into that and I saw that there was someone here who was connecting with me and I connected back and that's, I mean, I'm, I'm all about deep connection, deep, genuine connection. And it's just formed into a really beautiful relationship. We're super compatible. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to co like start the developing coach collective and the feminist coach track with her. And that actually was something I had envisioned for myself many months before but didn't even realize it when she approached me about it and was like oh my gosh wait this is that thing I wanted to do and now like my friend is asking me to do it with her oh my gosh Mm. and um now we are creating the feminist coach academy together and yeah, we, I mean, I just, I'm, I am amazed at how well we work together. I just, I've collaborated before and, and Naomi collaborates with other people, but like, you know, this is really just, it's no drama and we just work really well together. We're both very efficient, fast workers, get shit done, very action oriented Um, and we're just gentle with each other and kind and I seriously like I'm blown away I love it because I I'm sitting here like bathing in that energy and it's really beautiful (laughs) so I'm like getting this glimpse of it so energetically my body's like ah but also I recognize that quality because it's only something that's come into my life like probably this year where I've been done enough of the feminist work to really be able to come at relationships from that place as opposed to like constantly trying to check where I am in a hierarchy. Am I the mentor? Am I the mentee? Like where do I fit here? Does that person have more knowledge? Does, you know, that kind of that way that we've been taught to relate and I can feel the quality of it and it's, and it's really beautiful. But I think the other thing just to notice is how um how as you said can like deep relationships is to me the cornerstone of regenerative culture you know that that Mm. forming partnerships and friendships where we're not carrying everything alone um that we're not islands is really important Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I think because it started as well in, I I think, such a genuine place where we didn't Mm -hmm. start out with an intention really to become business partners or anything like that. It was a really genuine support for each other. And at some point along the line, I knew I had this little nudge going, I'm going to partner with Cam on something. (laughs) I don't (laughs) know what something is yet, but I know. And I just, I guess I kind of trusted that it would come to be as it did and when this idea landed just straight away I knew this this was Cam I've got to ask Cam and I've got to try not to sound too desperate (laughs) (laughs) you did it you did not (laughs) I'm totally gonna be okay if they say no (laughs) play it cool yeah he played it so cool that I was like should I say yes (laughs) wait she wants me right yeah no I think she does yes so did (laughs) and then thank goodness you said yes and I think also I got to a point where I trusted collaborations more within myself I had previously 
I guess, not had the best experiences when it comes to mixing friendship and business. And until the last couple of years, especially until I started doing the Gentle Business Mastermind that we talked about earlier, I, I didn't truly believe within myself that it was possible to mix business and, and friendship. So by the time I felt brave enough to ask Ham, I could see it is possible. <laughs> it absolutely is. And it's awesome. It's got so many perks to it. And it's pretty much my preference now when it comes to working. I love it. Mm. I, I mean, I'm a Gemini, so I don't, I, I'm never built to Ooh. work alone, you know, like a Gemini in four of my houses as well. So I'm not built to just sit on my computer by myself. And I think, but again, it's like finding how to do that in a way that's really nourishing and supportive and respectful and yeah, intentional. And mm, there's a lot. I'm sure we could do a whole nother podcast on that. <laughs> but, I, but I wanted to ask about, um, about the Feminist Coach Academy and what you do in it, what you're teaching, what you're co-creating and um, what the body of work is taking shape as. I'm just curious to hear hear it all yeah well it's basically where feminism meets coaching and business and helping coaches not just coaches though you could be a healer you could be a counselor just kind of any um, helping professional integrate that feminism that feminist lens an inclusive one of course with intersectional frameworks into your practice into your business because that's the piece that's missing in business and the coaching world for Nay and I is, is the feminist analysis, the feminist learning. And we're both passionate about feminism and we both have become coaches and so, and entrepreneurs. I've been an entrepreneur a long time. I had a different business before, but you know, it's like feminism is literally everything. So it's like, why wouldn't it be in business and coaching too? Yeah, well said. <laughs> Did you want to add anything, Naomi, to that? No, I don't think. Well, I, I don't think so. I think Cam's really articulated it well. We have noticed, I guess, gradually over time what we feel is missing in those types of practices when it comes to coaches and practitioners and I guess we started something that we wanted for ourselves. So when we were designing the program, we were just so excited because this is what we wanted to see. This is this, you know, the learnings that we wanted to undertake. This is what we wanted to be in praxis around. And that's really what has taken place in creating the program. And it was just really bringing together I guess so we learn a lot in, in our industry about the importance of self-awareness and, and we hear a lot about that, but we felt like something was missing and that was bringing the social awareness and the feminist analysis into that analysis and praxis and I think that's what we're doing, yeah. I love it too because it's like in those spaces and it's been a huge focus this year for me working through some of Jennifer Armbrust's work around it. But um, it's like we all have the intention to create social change but then business as a container or the process, the process of business and the structures of business are inherently oppressive, right? And so it's like how do we build processes and systems and businesses and containers that address it and not replicate it and it's a really difficult question that not many people are leading the answers to right now like no not a lot of like models out there of what difference different models and practices look mm. like in this space I so I just I love it but I'm I'm conscious for someone listening maybe that's not an entrepreneur not a coach whether you'd be open to sharing what feminist analysis might look like, um, what we may find upon doing that analysis and just kind of stepping back into uh, feminism 101, like intersectional feminism 101 and, and what the um, benefit is of doing that type of work, not just in business but in life as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, 
The feminist um, perspective and analysis really challenges systems of oppression, right? So patriarchy, white supremacy, classism, capitalism, ableism, all the isms. Um, and that shows up in literally every area of our life. And, you know, a classic example that so many of us struggle with is like body image, right? Body acceptance or body neutrality. And it's like our bodies, right? And like the feminist perspective gives us, feminism gives us a different perspective on our bodies. You know, it, it's like, oh, we don't have to have the perfect body. We don't have to, like, there's no perfect body, but we don't have to have what the white patriarchal capitalist society says is the ideal body, right? Um, because feminism says everybody is a good body, you know? I mean, and feminism says it's your body and it's, you know, or bodies are neutral, right? Like, sometimes, you know, it doesn't, it's not all body positivity. Sometimes we have to be body neutral, but like, you know, that's just like a, a classic everyday example. And like, literally everyone is affected by body image stuff, not just those of us that are socialized as women too. You know, I mean, it's just like the messages we get, it's just like your body's not good enough and you got to lose weight and stuff like that. And it's like, I'm really excited about the current feminist conversations around our bodies because I really think you know like we're moving in a better direction a healthier direction and then you know in business it's like it can show up in a lot of different ways um you know it's like our guest teacher in the feminist coach academy Lena West she's a business coach and she talked about bro culture you know, in specifically in the business spaces. And, and it's like, yeah, we don't have to act like the bros and <laughs> in, in the business world, we don't have to be like a bro business guy. And like, if you look at some of like the coaching or the personal growthy, like entrepreneur guru, male gurus, like they're all kind of like yelling at you and walking testosterones and it's it's this weird thing and it's like wait that doesn't have to be um how we have to do things you know and that doesn't and so it's there are different ways to do things and it's not as simple as be in your feminine and say no to the masculinity <laughs> and wear your, wear your flowing dress and your crown and yes. you'll be fine yes. yes wear the flower crown and the flowy dress which I own none of those and I don't want me to too. they look terrible on me <laughs> well that's just like not my expression right yeah, and so it's like you know, it, it's not as simple as, you know, do the feminine thing because masculinity is terrible. It's like, no, we just, we need to do, we need to have that critical analysis that says, what has patriarchy taught us? And what has white supremacy taught us too? Because it's like, are we only having white pan, all white panels? Are we only listening and learning from white people? Like, are we only, I mean, you know, are we only reading books by white authors or white male authors are we only learning about business from white dudes i mean this is these are the kind of thoughts that feminism offers us inclusive feminism of course um so yeah that's i'll, I'll let may pick up mm -hmm. yeah i think another example might be hustle culture right so we're taught to work really hard and to juggle a million balls and to be busy all the time and that's part of success like the more money you make the more you do the more successful you are and I think when you bring a feminist and social analysis to that you can question it and you can go is that really true is that what I've been taught and and how so and what do I really believe and how do I really want to show up and behave and be in this world whether that be you're a business owner or not and I think sometimes that's where the real gold is to making lasting change is when we do do that analysis and think about how we've been socialized to believe in certain things and show up in certain ways. When we think about that, we can kind of start to 
reclaim who we want to be and how we want to show up and unpack that a little bit uh, more. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, um, I, I love the both of those examples because they're very visceral in my body. <laughs> and it was like the realisation of, you know, my story of burnout and then the realisation of I knew intrinsically because of what I could see around me in the culture that I was working in was that um, those who had been socialised as women were having a different experience of burnout than others in the office. Mm-hmm. And it was this curiosity around, so what is it about being socialized as a woman that is lending itself to burnout and it's going to, I'm doing a whole lot of work around it next year in a book, but it's this idea of really then having layers of asking why I thought certain things, like why do I think that I need to work harder? Why do I think that I need to carry the emotional labor of this? Why do I think that I need to wear a certain thing or show up? Or, you know, any of those things, that question of like why in response to the challenges coming up, almost always there's either trauma or that level of social conditioning, (laughs) socialization Mm -hmm. that's not truth right and not liberating in any way and I think it's just such important work because I think something else the the I'm going to use in air quotes because I don't necessarily agree with the binary but the masculine personal development culture is kind of victim blaming in a way as well right is it is it Mm -hmm. fundamentally doesn't um give voice to systemic oppression or trauma and so what I've seen a lot of it is creating more imbalance and more oppression and and now more shame and internalized ideas around well it must be my fault you know it must be my limiting beliefs or my money blocks or yes, like you know? yes mm-hmm. yes yeah you know and like with women in burnout I mean well one women have been like we have to prove ourselves 10 times more to be taken seriously so we do play that patriarchal game many do right to try and and I have more compassion for women that play the patriarchal game because of that um but you know there's a reason for it we we that's what we're taught to do you know and to be taken seriously to get any kind of recognition to just kind of you know to make a living our own living right and and then it's also like women just work more like women take on more labor in every area of life right and 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 take on labor that is unrecognized and it's like emotional labor it's uh, intellectual labor it's um you know the home it's that the work I mean it's just like and I mean, yeah, that's going to lead to major burnout because there there is inequalities in so many different areas. Mm-hmm. And people, well, society doesn't recognize the work that women do. Name now I wonder whether like you... a big feminist. <laughs> big. Yeah, well, I want to talk about that, that piece as well around the social nervous system of claiming the feminist label because I think there's a big thing there. But I'm interested just to continue going down this route of burnout because it's so interesting to me. And Nay, I know you with your mastermind, like this is a deep passion of yours. And I wonder mm-hmm. what your journey's been through sorting through, through what's truth and not truth in terms of what's expected. Mm. Yeah, it's an ongoing, I think, forever journey of <laughs> dancing with it. And that's partly why I've always been so passionate about doing something about hustle culture and being more gentle in our approach, I think, because it's something that I've had to work really hard on. And especially this year, uh, for me personally, I, I think earlier in the year, made a commitment to myself that I'm really good at getting ambitious about work and about work-related goals. And I mean, that's what I was taught I should get ambitious about. That's how I was socialized to show up. But when it came to personal stuff and when it came to self-care and taking care of myself and even relational type goals, I would postpone them. Like I would do them after work stuff and I made a commitment earlier in the year to change that, to stop postponing it and to get just as ambitious about those things. 
about ditching that hustle culture as I was about all the other things. And I mean, gosh, I've made some big shifts personally this year, but it's an ongoing thing. Like it's something, um, and I think others as well will always be dancing with and practicing and that's okay too. That's part of it. And I guess it's intergenerational. It's not just us. Like we're going to make a little step. But I always say, like with social change, it's it's so we're repatterning the collective nervous system. Like it takes a lot of time. It takes a yeah. lot of time and a lot of gentleness and compassion. And um, thank you for sharing your journey and being so open about it because I think that. Um, Burner, I was having this conversation last night with Marion Rose about about it, parenting and ballering and specifically and how I said, I wonder whether you could correlate early childhood experiences and parenting style with incidents of burnout later in life. And we're talking about how the internalized patriarchal voice is one of coercion, constant coercion that then becomes an internalized self-coercion with like shoulds and I have tos and these words, this language that we're mm-hmm. using to drive ourselves forward towards something that may get us love or acceptance or validation, whatever it is, but that coercion and how burnout to me like fundamentally is is doing too many things in a coercive way that that you don't want to do (laughs) like of course you're going to be tired yeah and that coercion is part of rape culture you know it's part of a culture that's like oh let's give the ladies drinks and then maybe we can have sex they'll have sex with us you know and let's you know coerce women into doing these things so that you know I mean it's just it's you don't realize it's tied to all that until you do and then you're like oh Mm. whoa and this is what's so like we had a guest teacher Nicole Louise Kieber talk about consent like consenting in every area right like not just with sex like with everything like are you really consenting to what you're doing in your life right now are you really consenting to like are you really want to do this you know and it's like like that's relating to burnout like are you shooting yourself or do you really you know want to do this right like are you really consenting to this and just just like the thought that like oh we could consent Mm. (laughs) we don't have to do something we don't want to do or that doesn't serve us yeah and I think the part she touches on as well that's related to what you just said too, Meg, was around your childhood and how it does impact how we show up in our business. And that the, I, the you know, the big T and little T traumas, they do <laughs> show up in, in how we work and if we have our businesses in our relationship with our businesses. So what you've said there is just absolutely true and it's just another area, it's just another learning edge to examine <laughs> for us. <laughs> And I think shame resilience here, right? Because when you talk about the mm-hmm. rape culture, the 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 shame of not going along with it. And I think for someone like like us who are trying to build intentional lives and businesses, just how important having people around that uh, are on the same page, values wise, is. I just I can't speak highly enough for it because otherwise it feels like the culture is shaming you for like slowing down or saying no or having boundaries or not consenting or, you know, and it, and it it's fine to have all of the lessons and tools and then you walk back outside and like the billboard's bloody shaming you, you know, it's like, it's just like <laughs> how not to slip back into that shame place that's a freeze response and that's so... Um, I feel like we're all constantly dancing with. Mm. Mm. I um, mm-hmm. I want to come back to this idea of of claiming our feminist selves. I guess is how I would put it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> how um, I've kind of become so aware of the twelve year old girl within me that wants to be the same as everyone, mm-hmm. and how thinking that being the same is safe and challenging that edge to be me rather than woman or 
white or cis or whatever I am, just being me, challenging that edge is really painful <laughs> and really hard. <laughs> and I wonder whether like that reclamation of the feminist lens and the feminist label and the work that you do has been a process for either of you as well. Totally Absolutely. curious to how to hear Nay's story because I don't know if I know it, but um, I think Nay knows mine, which is like, oh, I just seem to pick up on inequalities from a young age that like my peers weren't necessarily voicing. I don't know why that was, but like I point out sexist things, not not using the term sexist because I didn't know the term sexist, but just like pointing out inequalities or like, well, this, you know, isn't fair or whatever. And then my peers would be like, oh yeah, you know, but I kept, and then I saw it in my own home, just like patriarchy in my own home. And it really deeply bothered me. I mean, just, I mean, I'm a, I was a sensitive child. I'm a sensitive person. I don't know. It just really deeply bothered me seeing that in my home with my parents and um you know just the typical patriarchal family you know nothing out of the ordinary (laughs) (laughs) nothing standard version of patriarchy yes yes you know nothing wild just you know you're typical but it really really got to me and I swore from such an age I would never participate in that and I don't know I was just saying stuff as a teenager and I remember at 17 someone called me a feminist and I was like yeah (laughs) there was no rejection there was no rejection I didn't totally know what it meant but I knew it was closer to who I was and like it stood for something that I stood for and um I didn't know you could major it in college until I did and then I did and you know it just I don't know. I was always someone who just had my opinions and was a little outside the box. And I was a shy kid, not shy now, but I was as a kid. And, but I was very me and out of the box and different and was not really afraid to be so. So it kind of wasn't like, you know, I mean, I did fit in in a lot of ways, but I also was a little weird in a lot of other ways too. And I also like, I just had that fire in me that like stood up for people, you know, stood up for what was right. So I guess it's a combination of all of that that kind of made me a feminist very young. Mm, celebrating the the weird messiness all, yes. I think is just, yes. I love that. What about you, Nay? How did you come to claim this work and your role in it? I think it was similar in a way. I can't remember the moment exactly where I kind of claimed feminist, but I do remember that from a young age I was a feminist (laughs) and I think I was lucky to have parents and some teachers that encouraged that and that Mm. kind of nurtured that curiosity and the and tried to help me with the critical thinking skills like encouraged me to do that and I don't know maybe having three brothers helped (laughs) um (laughs) as well (laughs) but yeah that was always kind of there and then I would notice things like I would notice the things that weren't fair and injustices and And that would really bug me from a young age. Like I was often the one getting into, like into the middle of fights (laughs) when I saw something (laughs) wasn't fair. I was the one that was in there (laughs) um, (laughs) bailing someone up because they did something (laughs) completely inappropriate. And I just remember being that person from quite a young age. And then when I entered the business world, Again, I would notice things that just weren't right. They just didn't sit right with me or I just thought they weren't nuanced enough or people were just coming at things from their lived experience and I could see a lot of, you know, white leaders and and a lot of 
people who were just like giving formulas all the time and and I didn't like that. <laughs> I was just like, I think that, you know, critical thinking and analysis was bugging me. I'd be like, but people, you know, what about this? What about in this context? What about in that context? And then I would have clients coming to me who had been harmed from previous coaches or previous experiences in the like online business world. And I would just see how that came. Like I could see how that came to be for them and how crappy that was and how that shouldn't have happened to them and how these people were meant to be there to support them and help them kind of get what they want and do it in a way that works for them. And so that started to really bug me. And I think I was more nervous about maybe claiming feminist in the work place, like in the workspace, than maybe in the personal space. I think people have known in my personal world for a while that I'm the one that will make the barbecue uncomfortable because I'll challenge <laughs> challenge something that they said. You know, or who's the cooking one... the barbecue, even worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm the one no one wants to sit next to. <laughs> So I think that was there, but in the workspace, especially the type of work that we do being so public and so online with everything there, every mistake, every stuff up, everything that you do, perhaps I was more hesitant about doing that publicly. I was doing it with my clients one-on-one. I was doing it with, you know, even group calls when we were doing that, I would ask those perspectives and help people kind of unpack those things. But there was definitely some nervousness around even doing the feminist coach track and not just around doing it, but also questioning my, you know, myself, am I capable of doing this? Am I, is this, you know, do I have the skills to hold a space like this? Um, How can I hold myself accountable to, because I will stuff up, like how can I hold myself accountable to doing the repair when it's needed? So there's just so much in there that I guess there was more fear around for me was around business and you know something taps you on the shoulder long enough and something isn't just enough <laughs> long enough that you just have to do it so we're doing it <laughs> we're doing, it. We're doing yeah. it it's like that whole conversation has just deeply healed the part of me that was like that kid too and it's uh, the critical thinking like this is wrong right I just know in my whole body that there's something underneath all of this that's that's there's like a matrix under the matrix you know there's like something happening in here that's that I can't see that's not explicit Mm. and I think um this this thing that I've been just constantly going around in my head one my one of my mentors Nikki Silvestri and she says you know the really great coaches and consultants are are those that are able to make the implicit explicit and be able Mm. to um draw attention to things that once you know make so much sense and I think the patriarchy is that like once Mm -hmm. you see it and you see the impact on your experience and how you're showing up and like there can be much more compassion there for um the ways of being that we've learned to inhabit Mm -hmm. and once we get like we know the language around it I think maybe that was part of my lack of confidence too like I knew something was unfair but until I started like learning from other people, from teachers, until I started doing my master's in human rights, you know, until I started doing this stuff, I didn't have the language around it to articulate it confidently uh, within myself, let alone to others. So I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a, a piece, a piece in there too. Yeah, and I want to speak to the fear a bit too. Um, there's still fear. I mean, it's like I feel the passion for doing it and that's, and the drive and so I'm not gonna stop myself but yeah there's fear of like oh my god I'm gonna fuck up somebody's gonna call me out I'm gonna get thrown under the bus and it's like something like that something's gonna happen I don't I mean may not be terrible hopefully it's just a small thing that can be repaired but we can't let that fear stop us you know it's you have to learn through doing you have to take a risk you have to put yourself out there and you have to have your own back you know and we do we are like we're moving into the feminist coach academy and we are going to have an advisory board and the advisory board are people that 
are supportive of us and we know and we pick to help hold us accountable. And so we're being very intentional about that. And we know that two white people leading a feminist program, Academy, is, you know, like we need some, we need some accountability. And we're not perfect. We're not going to be. And the thing about feminism is there isn't one type. No. It's plural. Mm-hmm. And it always has been. And there's a lot of disagreements. And, you know, there's going to be forever because we're different people and we've got different perspectives. And, you know, like I'm someone that doesn't want gender at all, you know, but there's another non-binary person out there who's like, no, gender's cool. Let's just like have 10 different genders, you know? I mean, it's like, we're not all going to agree and that's okay. You know, I mean, we can't, it's not, realistic to expect us to and we are going to make mistakes but it's about staying together and staying connected and and continuing to do the work so I feel less scared that I'm doing it with a partner but um you know I am still a little scared (laughs) there's a couple of things there too right like our fear is nowhere near to the equivalent like we're talking about what public Yes. Having a go as scrutiny. Public, um, yeah. yeah, us stuffing yeah. up, maybe some shame because we've stuffed up. It's not the same as the harm that people are causing no. and that you know we're causing well, when we exactly. don't do this work. Yeah. Well, this work needs to be done. Okay, so what we're taking you have to take a risk and put yourself out there because it's like what we're just gonna let the you know, like the world just be anti feminist. Like, no, we have to go for it. Hmm. And that's why we have the uh, teachers as well, because we don't want this to be completely about us and our perspectives. And this is the way. The whole point of it is to bring in, you know, experts with different lived experiences and mm-hmm. perspectives and teachings, and putting the spotlight on them to to share, you know, their wisdom and experience, and and hopefully, you know, <laughs> with, with all that in the mix. We'll do a good job. (laughs) I love that. Thank you for sharing that process, that conversation, because I think something I really respect and I'm trying to amplify voices that are bringing complexity and nuance and integrity to a space that, as you said, has just become like a how-to guide (laughs) for everyone. And I think there needs to be accountability and there needs to be integrity and there needs to be like a willingness to engage with uncomfortable theory and to discuss ideas and to not agree. And I think that it's just so important. Um, Something that I really value and try and do in this school as well is, is that the integrity of a university course but then bringing in all the other magic as well and I think that the more that we can make that safe the more inclusive those spaces are because it does make way for everyone's experience and it does I don't don't know I mean I'm a total idealist but I do think that the sharing of ideas and having spaces to discuss things it is such an important part of social change that Mm -hmm. in our world of like uh, binaries and polarities and like someone needing to be right we've mm-hmm. lost all of that complexity in relating and have working through disagreements working through conflict and like all the wisdom that's in that place mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and you know big shifts happen in community that don't happen in isolation and I think that's part of it as well. I'm curious, um, just before we end, what are some of the principles? What? I know we could keep going for hours. Um, <laughs> what are some of the principles and practices that you teach in the academy? Um, I'm thinking in terms of the practices, uh, sorry, the principles around feminist business, but then maybe some of the more practical stuff around um, doing one's own feminist analysis, whatever you feel called to share intuitively that you feel like would be useful just to highlight what the work like actually looks like in practice. The first thing that comes to my mind, well, there's a lot of things, but we pay our guest teachers and 
so part of the the payment that, that people pay to join the academy you know part of that money goes to the guest teachers and it's been really important from us for us um from the beginning that we do that you know that you know i'm so tired of the feminist organizations that don't pay you for i mean we need to make a living you know and um well, and make the labor visible need, you know make the yeah, labor visible. feminists yeah feminists need to get paid for their for their work and um so we have found a way to do that and it's like we understand that people don't all have the money to do that, but it's like, we've got to create more creative ways of making that happen. And Lena West, Naomi's business coach, who's also becoming um, kind of, I guess, both of our business coaches, but who's our teacher in the, one of our teachers in the academy is, and is on the advisory board. You know, she was her, like she came up with the idea of how we could pay guest teachers and it's like yes okay and so I think it's like there's not one way it's just like you got to get creative and um but you know we're we want this to be a collaborative collective thing like that's what feminism is right and so that's part of like and it's like we're not we don't want to take advantage of people's free labor and so that's been really incredibly important to us. And I want, I mean, I want people to know that that is like these guests are not just like people teaching for free. I think that's important. Yeah, There's so much more. Yeah, yeah. go ahead, Nay. It's not all about the money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so important. And then each class covers a different topic. You know, when you think about feminist coach theory and feminism in coaching and business, there's so many different things <laughs> that need to be covered. There's so much there. So each of them are kind of unpacking a different element to it. And then the other part that we bring in to help with that learning is the integration calls. So we'll jump on calls as a group and kind of unpack what we learned in class and how that applies to our unique context and maybe even practice you know, with each other some of what we're learning. So there's that element too. And then we have a co-working element as well where we get on together and work and do work on and in our business so that you know, people can have that, <laughs> that growth and that money that we need as well uh, as they're doing this work and trying to create change. So we're trying to cover, I guess, uh, practicing ourselves what we believe we should be practicing as feminist entrepreneurs and then also hopefully having a model that will help those members who sign up do that alongside us. Yeah. I love yeah. it because it's like the congruence of the container that you're creating being really representative of the ideals of feminism or the principles of feminism as interpreted through your experience, right? Which everyone's going to have different mm -hmm. ones. But I, I like what you said, Cam, about like it's individual. And um, I think not knowing exactly the perfect way to build a feminist business is mm -hmm. like that perfectionist, just another way that the patriarch is speaking yeah. to us. And so yeah. how do, how do we, have a go at like what are the values that are really important to you like for me mm. it's around yeah paying guests at the emotional labor but around um uh like offsetting offsetting my carbon and making sure that the bodies that are go into my business are, are, are visible whether they're the people making my phone or my computer or like that that mm. there is not just that transactional approach I say that in the email to you guys too. It's not a transactional approach to relationship building. I'm not trying to get something or like get somewhere. It's like we're building communities of care. And so everyone is going to have different values of how to interpret feminism through their business lens. And I love that you're creating a space to integrate it too because I did a master's in gender and I did no self-analysis. <laughs> I did zero mm -hmm. like self-awareness of how it affected patriarchy affected me. See, mm -hmm. that's exactly when we created this because I, you know, I have my bachelor's in gender studies, my master's in anthropology and social change. And it's like that the intellectual academic world is great for learning about the theory, but then, and like this and society, but then like 
what about the internalized oppression and what about the self-awareness? And so that's where the, the coaching world is great at. So like, there's gotta be both, right? Mm-hmm. And so where do we see both? Not very many places. And so that's what this academy is all about. We're bridging all of that, integrating all of that. And mm-hmm. it's about theory. It's about um, self-awareness. It's about practice, practical actions it's and it's about business and making money through your business like I don't want anyone starving you know and I we are making a profit you know we're not we need to support ourselves and we need to sustain ourselves and it's about sustainability too for Mm -hmm. for all of us so you know it's there's there's a balance and the balance is different for everyone and it's it's a constant experiment I think Mm. it's like the embodiment piece too right it's like uh, so I know all this theory but then like someone what do you do with it on the street and suddenly my whole nervous system is like gone into chaos and I don't know why and you you don't have the tools to yeah to deal with that yeah yeah it's such important work Nay, I wonder whether there's anything that you feel called to share before um, we wrap up. I don't, I think the only thing that has come to mind is that, you know, we don't have it all figured out either. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) nowhere near, like we're learning and unlearning and learning through mistakes and um, kind of pushing up against learning edges and trying to figure out how to practice this stuff too and and I think that's part of it as well I think you know it's okay and not okay at the same time for us to be stuffing up and doing these things imperfectly and and just sticking in there and doing it anyway and I hope that we can show that as well ourselves as people running a program like this and and then wondering whether it's it is even stuffing up right like according to (laughs) whether it's just Mm -hmm. all learning Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah, I love that um so something that I I always um mindful to do before we wrap up is just like we are ideas people and business people and sometimes we get so passionate about ideas that I forget to like talk to the humans <laughs> within and so I'm curious whether you'd both be open to sharing um maybe somewhere where the energy is flowing and feeling good right now and maybe an, an area that feels a little challenging and that feels restricted in you can be in very personal or your work lives just where you are today I'd love if you'd be open to sharing what comes up okay yeah I'm willing I can go first if you like. Please. Mm -hmm. So in terms of what is flowing and feeling really good, I mean, it is a continuation of what we were just talking about. Cam and I are just announcing today at the time of the recording about moving to the Feminist Coach Academy. So that is just feeling really fresh and exciting and, and full of promise and potential. So that, like, I just feel so aligned at the moment and so aligned with what I want to be doing in my business. So I'm really excited and celebrating that. And then equally at the same time, alongside that excitement and motivation, and, you know, we were saying we're doers, so we've been doing heaps, especially this last couple of weeks. And alongside that, I'm also feeling really exhausted and tired and really ready for a break. And I think just trying to balance that tension of, making use of the motivation and inspiration while it's there and being excited about the future whilst also acknowledging that, yeah, I'm a bit tired and I need a break soon and, and respecting that. Mm, and holding both because that's what we are. <laughs> We're yeah. not working. Thank you yeah. for sharing, really hearing that. And Cam, what about you? Yeah, the energy is really flowing in my life right now in with work, with what Naja shared about moving towards Feministic Coach Academy and and also in a new relationship that I'm in. It's like, you know, we think like those relationship and work are like two really big areas in our life. And so I'm like feeling 
really blissed out on both of those right now. I don't really have a challenge right now, but it's like for me, you know, to what kind of what Nay was saying, it's like it's so important to take breaks, even when you're feeling good and you know, you're passionate about what you do because having that break just is what keeps you sustainable. And I know for me, like I need to have a balanced life and not work too much, not do anything too much. You know, like I kind of equally, I play as much as I work, as much as I self-care, as much as I whatever. And it's super important because I have been burnt out before and I've been burnt out on feminism and social change as mm-hmm. big of a feminist as I am. And it's very hard to acknowledge, but if you keep, you know, there's activist burnout is very real. Yeah. And I just think it's super important to take breaks and to just have fun and to just do whatever, you know, if you can, if if you're able to or something, you know, um, it's, it's important. You don't have to go, go, go all the time, even at feminism even at social change I mean it it never goes away but it's just like there's there's other things you know you've got to take care of you yeah I would even go so far as to say like it is social change like expanding into pleasure and (laughs) resting it's pretty revolutionary and I think um I just love I love both of those reflections and something I've been toying with is, you know, Lynn Twist's book and she talks about sufficiency and, and to me that's like going to tip the balance of our over-consuming, hate-filled world of like what's enough, like in a day, like what's enough yeah. today? Can I? Can this yeah. be enough? And I think I see the feminist work and the work that you're doing is so intrinsic to that embodiment of sufficiency like I don't need to do more because I don't need to prove anything anymore because I know that just I am and that's okay and yeah I feel really mm-hmm. really grateful for you both so like I'm hanging out with for me. you too thank you so yeah, thank much you. for having us on and asking these questions I mean it's like yeah these are very it's very thoughtful and yeah it's refreshing just very refreshing it's just like we've been having a having a cuppa, like just hanging out. And I know, I know. <laughs> hopefully, the internet. Yeah. Hopefully, we do it in person one day. It'll be even better. I know. Where nice. do you live, Meg? Well, I'm in I'm in Central Victoria. Okay. Um, but I was actually at Sharon's event with Naomi, and I didn't get to say hello oh, a couple no. of weeks ago because <laughs> um, I had to catch a train. But we we have been in the presence of one another without knowing it, and <laughs> yeah. So I'm in I'm in Central Victoria, Australia. Speaking of brilliant people doing wonderful yes. work to create change, Sharon. It's yeah, incredible. and I love how we're sure. we're all kind of finding each other, and it's like mm-hmm. it's a web of deep thinkers. Like, yeah, we're all coming out of the woodwork, and like, it's really cool. I feel really blessed to be able to have these conversations. Me too. Me too. It's yeah, it's very beautiful. Thank you for for doing this. And yeah, deep for think. you to come to Australia, Cam. I know. No, I, it's, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm already planning like next will be next summer for you next winter for me. Cause I want to get away from the winters yes. here because I hate winter, but um, <laughs> so yeah, no, I mean, but I want to go for like more than, you know, a week, you know, I want to really be there. And, and then by that time we could host FCA events. So yeah that'd be cool or I'm really hoping to get over it where are you me yeah I am in mostly California okay I'm a nomad but I'm in California yeah oh that's right we had the conversation about house sitting so yeah have to have a whole nother conversation about that but um the (laughs) I'm hoping to get across told you I'm a weirdo (laughs) I've put it in my vision for the next three years that I'll spend some time there and work with some teachers who I really 
value and respect who just don't travel anymore and so yeah who knows mm. be over there yeah yeah let me know thank you both so much again for your time thank you thank you meg Thank you.